KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning. I'm Eric Anderson, in for Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, December 23rd. The National Guard faces some challenges recruiting enough troops this year. More on that coming up. But first, let's do the headlines. Right after the holidays, San Diego County has historically seen its largest spikes in COVID and flu infections. Right now, about 20 Californians are dying per day from COVID. And this year, the flu has also been particularly bad. Here in San Diego County, the number of influenza cases is slowly dropping. Dr. Jotu Sandu with Sharpree Seeley says the situation remains serious. Flu is really a problem right now. In fact, I have multiple patients who have had influenza, many of them who never got a flu shot, and now they're saying, now they're regretting it. Uh, And they even said that their flu experience was far worse than their COVID experience. Health officials say people can take steps to reduce the risk by not traveling or not going to parties if they're sick by wearing a mask in crowded places, and by enjoying parties outdoors. It is the time of year when tides hit their peak. High tides on the coastline could reach seven feet today and tomorrow. Normally, high tides are about four to five feet. San Diego lifeguards say the king tides bring extreme low tides as well, which means a wider walking area on the beach this weekend. Coastal officials say king tides are also a reminder of the hazard of rising sea levels, because they give a preview of conditions created by climate change. Weather officials typically warn people to bundle up around Christmas, but not this year. National Weather Service officials say temperatures will be up to 17 degrees above average across San Diego County over the holiday weekend. Temps are expected to reach 73 degrees tomorrow and 77 on Sunday. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me. For more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. The National Guard came up about 9,000 troops short of its recruiting goal this year, That's led Guard leaders both at the state and federal level to try new ways to persuade people to join. From Long Island, Desiree DiOrio reports for the American Homefront Project. This holiday season, the 42nd Infantry Division of the New York Army National Guard took its concert band on the road. They brought holiday classics to community centers across the state, including the Warrior Ranch on Long Island, where veterans and civilians train rescued horses. Staff Sergeant Pamela File plays the flute. We're really excited about bringing some holiday music to as many veterans as we can, but also just community members. The performances are part outreach and part recruiting, with Guard members front and center in the communities they serve. The band is a very forward-facing unit. We kind of look at ourselves as musical ambassadors to our communities, and we like to bridge the gap between the military and our civilian population. In part because of outreach like this, New York was the only state in the country to meet its recruitment goal for the Army National Guard this year. 
31 states fell short of their Army recruiting goals by over 40 percent, according to the National Guard Bureau, the federal office that oversees the states. Treating every event like an opportunity is part of a strategy, according to Lieutenant Colonel Josh Heimroth. He's in charge of recruitment and retention for the New York Guard. There's not one way of doing business. You've got to have multiple lines in the pond to catch the fish. He says after soldier safety, the top priority is recruitment. That means large-scale efforts like job fairs and social media outreach, but also small things recruiters need that sometimes get overlooked. That could be as little as making sure their computer is up and running. They have a fuel card and a vehicle that can get them to and from their appointments. At a roundtable discussion in September, National Guard leaders said recruiters have had a tough year. General Daniel Hokinson is chief of the National Guard Bureau. They have told me pretty much in every location I go just how difficult the current recruiting challenges are that they're facing. For many of them, it's unprecedented in their time as a recruiter. There's competition from other industries and universities. He says the labor shortage doesn't help, and meeting the physical requirements to serve can be hard. Hokinson is pushing for major reforms to recruit new troops and keep the ones who are already serving. Among his ideas, year-round government-financed health care. When we look at recruiting and retention, really the most important aspect of that ability to be ready whenever we're needed, health care is absolutely critical to making that happen. Hokinson says out of about 440,000 guardsmen serving today, 60,000 don't have health insurance at all. But year-round health benefits would be expensive, over $700 million by Hokinson's estimate, and Congress would have to authorize it. Meanwhile, some states have undertaken their own initiatives to attract recruits. A handful of states are paying finder's fees to current guardsmen who bring in new troops. And Tennessee is among several states that have set up programs to help recruits pass entrance exams. Major General Jeff Holmes is the adjutant general of the Tennessee Guard. We partnered with our state institutions and colleges, and so they're providing courses that you can go and take and learn the test again. Holmes says Tennessee also offers health and exercise training for potential recruits who don't meet height and weight requirements. There are certain things, red lines, that I would say that we cannot really sacrifice. However, we do have to recognize what society is providing us. Back at the horse ranch on Long Island, flute player Pamela File says any time the band plays for the public, it's an opportunity to talk up the benefits of National Guard service. We only get together one week in a month, two weeks a year. The rest of the time, we are civilians out in this community. So everything we do, we know can potentially bring people into our ranks. I'm Desiree DiOrio on Long Island. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the Bob Woodruff Foundation. The Supreme Court is weighing arguments over lifting Title 42, which would let asylum seekers back into the U.S., Local leaders are worried about resources to help those migrants. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer has the latest. East County leaders say the El Cajon Transit Center is an anticipated drop-off location for hundreds of asylum seekers if the Supreme Court lifts a Trump-era rule known as Title 42. The Biden administration wants that to happen after Christmas, but District 2 Supervisor Joel Anderson says the county needs help to handle the expected arrivals. There's no resources here. When you look around, you'll see there's nothing 
uh, around here at all that could help shelter, clothe, feed, and give wraparound services, medical services, to these uh, asylum seekers. Anderson is not the only local leader to express concern about the end of Title 42. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria had a meeting with officials from the Department of Homeland Security earlier this month. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. As the number of unhoused people in San Diego continues to hit record highs, police have stepped up enforcement of laws that generally target homelessness. But as our news sources Jake Harper reports, those cases seemingly go nowhere. San Diego police data shows that officers have arrested more than 100 people so far this year for blocking sidewalks and sleeping where they shouldn't. That's more than three times as many as last year. At the same time, the city attorney's office has declined to prosecute most of these cases, and the ones it has pursued have ended in dismissal. Homeless advocate Michael McConnell says the disconnect is a problem and that these arrests are punitive. They're just trying to disrupt and agitate the people so that they just move somewhere else. A spokesperson for the city says that police are simply enforcing laws on the books to maintain health and safety in San Diego. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource reporter Jake Harper. This story included reporting from iNewsource reporter Cody Delaney. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Coming up, we revisit one of our favorite stories from 2022 about a Spider-Man exhibit. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Students at a San Diego elementary school are hoping to spread some festive cheer to orphaned kids in Mexico. KPBS reporter Claire Strong went to meet them. I have been making this letter for the kids, you know, just to give them a little surprise and make their day. Jason and his sixth grade classmates at Del Mar Hills Academy are hoping to put smiles on the faces of children less fortunate than themselves this holiday season. They're writing handmade Christmas cards in Spanish to kids in Baja, California, who've been orphaned. Spanish teacher Andrew Burke hopes the experience will teach his students empathy for others. By writing the letters, the students share a little bit about themselves, their interests, where they're from, their families. Um, and it's just a nice way to connect with people um, who, you, on the surface, you might not think that you have much in common. Once finished, the cards will be sent to Corazon de Vida, a nonprofit which provides funding to more than 10 Mexican orphanages. Class Strong, KPBS News. There is still a little time to check out an exhibit honoring Spider-Man at the San Diego Comic-Con Museum. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando gave us a look inside when it opened back in July. 
Spider-Man may turn 60 this year, but the iconic Marvel superhero will forever be ingrained in our pop culture consciousness as a teenager, says Ben Saunders. When Stan Lee and Steve Ditko initially came up with Peter Parker and Spider-Man, they were playing with a relatively new concept, even in just sociological terms, and that's the concept of the teenager. I've got to test myself. Got to learn the full extent of my newfound power. And it's a period of life that is marked by uncertainty about identity and rapid mood swings and periods of bravado and periods of self-doubt and impulsiveness. And they took all of that and they made the hero that, which is something we hadn't seen before. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like guys look out. In honor of Spidey's 60th anniversary, Comic-Con Museum is inducting him into its Character Hall of Fame. It's also hosting Spider-Man Beyond Amazing, the exhibition. Saunders is one of the curators. We have 60 years worth of pop cultural material to draw upon from across pretty much every available media platform. That's because Spider-Man has won people over generation after generation. Co-curator Patrick Reed was won over as a kid. You see someone who can climb up a wall, someone in an amazing colorful costume with their face hidden behind a mask, someone who is shooting webs from their hands and swinging over the city. And the sort of innate magic of it and just sheer wow. (laughs) The exhibition captures that wow factor by bringing comic book panels to life on massive walls and allowing visitors to pose with life-size Spidey statues. Spider-Man? Where? Where? Oh, I I just get so flustered when I meet a celebrity. We are very conscious of the innate power of the museum medium to tell stories. It is based around historical artifacts, original comic book art, film props, But then we also use all sorts of modern techniques, lighting, projections, high-definition digital canvases to tell the story in a more kinetic way. And in ways that might surprise you, says Saunders. We made the decision quite early on not to have a lot of actual comic books. But what they do include is a lot of the original art that was used to create those comic books. The originals are usually two or three times the size of a comic book page. They're black and white pencil and ink. You can see all the paste-ups, all the corrections, all of the whiteout, all of the lettering that's been stuck on and is starting to peel off. It's a way to peel back the curtain on the creative process. It comes down to the miracle of human creativity in that it began with somebody working at home at a desk with a pencil. There's something about the romance of that creativity and of the way these things just rise up from the Bristol board and become what they have become in our collective imaginations. Spider-Man and Peter Parker have become a source of inspiration, urging us to be better even as they struggle with their own failures, says Saunders. Peter Parker can help us figure out also what's valuable about trying to figure out who you are in a world where things not only go wrong, but often are wrong, to try and figure out what your sense of justice actually might be. Whatever life holds in store for me, I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. How much better off would we all be if there were more people in the world in positions of power who understood that some responsibility 
comes with that role. It's a good message. And that's just one of the messages that comes through in Spider-Man Beyond Amazing. Betha Commando, KPBS News. Spider-Man Beyond Amazing, the exhibition, will be leaving the Comic-Con Museum next month. That's it for the podcast today. The podcast was produced by KPBS editor Nick McVicker and producer Emmalyn Mohebi. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Eric Anderson. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend and happy holidays. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.